When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Monday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow, your host. What a weekend it was. What a Monday it will be on the show. Lots of great things prepared for you today. we got a lot to get to. No Jonathan Hutton today. He'll be back with us on Wednesday. He may join us by Zoom for a bit later this hour, so we'll recap a bit of the weekend with Jonathan Hutton coming up. Lots and lots of football to come on this show. We have a saying that goes back many years that says, let's bang hats. And it's very simple. When you play a football game, you bang hats. That is the purpose of this show. We're going to get after it. We're going to give you a fun, entertaining look at the weekend and the week ahead all throughout today. Tim Brando, one of our favorites, Timmy B, will join us coming up a little bit later to talk college football and the game he did this past weekend. He's also got an interesting take on Coach Prime in Colorado that we'll get into with Timmy B coming up a little bit later. Bobby Carpenter, he's got a 1,000 shows. We're one of them. We're thrilled about that. He'll come on to talk Big Ten and college football at 4.40 Eastern time today. And Mark Harris from Outkick.com will talk about the Ryder Cup. It was my dumpster fire of the week on Friday. Got better over the weekend, but the result is still the same. The Europeans win it, and the Americans have not won a Ryder Cup on European soil since 1993. But let's open the show today by talking a little football. Davey Hudson's going to be alongside here momentarily as well. Big question after one month of football. Who is the best team in college football? It was a long month. Five Saturdays. We are five weeks down to the football season. May make some of you sad to hear that. It certainly does me. But also look back and think, what did we really learn about college football in that first month? I think the SEC is an interesting case because I don't really know much of anything. I'm left with more questions and answers after a month of football. You can make the argument across the country is the same way. Easy to sit here and say it's Georgia. They're the two-time defending national champion, and they haven't lost yet. And I, I I can agree with that. By default, I think it might be the Georgia Bulldogs, but there's a case to be made for Michigan, for Ohio State. For USC, for another a, a number of other programs across the country. So, who is the best team in college football? You can hit us up, by the way. Watch on YouTube. Hit us up on X. However, you want to communicate with the show. Let us know what you think about who is the best team in college football right now. Davey, I look around the nation, and I think there are maybe two or three great teams in college football this year. But outside of that, I don't really know what we have right now. Yeah, it's a really good question because you can look at it from a couple of angles where I can find faults with all these teams that received a first-place vote, whether you're looking at Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, or Florida State. And and the big thing for me is no one's separating themselves from the pack. And the reason I think Georgia right now is, number one, is just simply because they haven't lost a game since the SEC championship against Alabama in 2021. And I understand the, uh, well, 
Uh, if, you, if you want to beat them, or if you want to be on top, you got to knock off the King. And right now, no one's been able to do that. But Auburn came close to doing it this past weekend. And Texas, I, I mean, right now, if I would have to just use the eye test, I would say they're doing it based off at least the schedule they've attempted to play at this point. You know, it's um, like college football, I think, especially. And this is not the same case in the NFL. We'll talk about the NFL here coming up. But we look at history so much with these programs and I hear Texas is the best team in the country and I'm thinking oh here we go again do we have to talk about Texas again do we have to hear about Texas again being a national championship contender we've been hearing that Texas is back for years and years whether that's the case or not it hasn't been since they won won it all in 2005 played for a national championship in 2009 and lost Alabama but if we're just judging it by the merit of what we've seen on the field and rosters Texas might be it this year. They, you're right. I mean, they may be the best team out there. When I look at both lines of scrimmage, quarterback play with Quinn Ewers, uh, Worthy and some of their receivers, some of the best in the country, they've got talent top to bottom, and they're as balanced as anyone else out there. But there is this thing, and I kind of love it with college football, we look at every team not based on the merit of this season or what they're doing this year, we naturally put a spin of history on it, and that's just part of the sport. We don't do it as much in the NFL with some franchises. We hesitate to say anything good about them based on history, but not often. Usually it's just, hey, this is what they've done. This is how they've looked. This is their record. We're going to assess based on that, and nothing else matters. I do think that in college football, part of it does matter. Part of it matters with the history, with what we've seen from that coach, what we've seen from those teams. But, Davey, I'm with you. I think Texas is right up there. Another team I want to bring to the table as a possibility, the Michigan Wolverines. If you want to look at a tale of two different road trips this past weekend, look at Georgia at Auburn and then how Michigan handled Nebraska. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. Auburn's a little bit better than Nebraska. That may be the case. May not. I don't think Auburn's that good either this year in year one of Hugh Freeze. But Georgia now twice has looked not very impressive. Bad first half against South Carolina, came back and won pretty easily. Uh, Right down to the wire at Auburn. Meanwhile, Michigan goes to Lincoln and just houses the Huskers in that game. Are we sleeping on Michigan a little bit when we're looking at some of the best teams? I I say no. I I think they're they're obviously in the conversation, but they played one of the easiest schedules you could think of. And the the biggest reason why people aren't giving them that credit that's probably warranted at this point is just because – They've continued to schedule cupcakes. And I mean, you just mentioned Nebraska. It's like Nebraska is one of the worst Power Five programs there are right now, like across the entire college football landscape. I just am not at that point to where I just need to see them play a big boy. Once they play a big boy, I will give them their due. And if 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 you want to look at the the other side of that and just being like, well, they were able to do this without Jim Harbaugh as far as those first three games, it's like I think that just puts more credit to the point of saying like yeah they're not playing anybody yeah it's um it's hard to assess at times with with a team like that I I will say if we're this probably isn't fair but I think the Pac-12 almost crosses each other out right now at, at the very top because it's hard for me to say you know this team is the one I'm going to continue riding with a team and I, I want to talk about them now that I've, I've been high on since the preseason Washington I think Washington is maybe the one that we're really sleeping on that could be the best team in the country right now. That's also another program that people automatically hear and think, oh, come on. 
Washington's not going to do anything. They're not the one. Davey, I'm not so sure. I think this Huskies team's really good. Michael Penix Jr. is definitely in the running to win the Heisman. And if you look at how they've been able to just take care of their opponents, I, I'm right there with you, Chad. It's another team that needs to be in the conversation. The, the big thing for them is you will definitely know whether they are legit or not just based off how their schedule starts to set up as we hit the month of October and then going into deeper into conference play. So let's talk a little bit about USC because it's the defense, once again, that's a problem for them. Uh, it looked just like Oregon. It looked like a repeat of the week before for Colorado. USC jumps all over Colorado in this game. They're up big. I think it's 34-7 to at one point. They have to hold on for dear life to win it 48-41. Now, the transitive property doesn't always work in sports. In fact, it rarely works. But when I look at performances between Oregon and USC versus Colorado and see how Oregon's defense could clamp down on Colorado in that game versus USC, that is a sieve once again, that is cause for concern. Now, the difference is USC has the reigning Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. And while Bo Nix is a great quarterback for Oregon, he's not Caleb Williams. But I got to give Deion Sanders some credit in this game. That was a gutsy effort in the second half because, I mean, things really changed in that Oregon game with the great story and the good tidings of Colorado football winning, surprising everyone, and then losing like that and to come back and get way down again and have the ability to come back. And so much of it is Shador Sanders, who's terrific at quarterback. That's still an impressive comeback for Colorado to make that game interesting. But in the end, it's USC. But Davey, I think USC kind of goes into that mix of top Pac-12 teams that someone's going to separate themselves. It might be the Trojans, but I think the defense is going to prevent that. Chad, during SEC Media Days, we were talking with Gary Danielson, and he made a point talking about Tennessee and how their offense is built around just the – or their team is built around that offense, and the lack of defense is something that hurts them. I think Alex Grinch is a great defensive coordinator with USC, but for whatever reason, it's not necessarily translated on the field. And for, for the same thing that Gary said about Josh Heupel's offense, I think you could put the same thing on Lincoln Riley's offense and that, you know, these teams are always going to be able to score points, but if you always get yourself in a shootout, there's a very good chance you're not going to be at that championship level, especially whenever you are playing that top-tier talent that they're going to have to go through whenever they get into the Pac-12 championship because I think they'll ultimately make it. But uh, we look at it, last couple of years, Utah's had their number. And what do we know about Utah? They love to play defense, and they can shut you down, and they've done that exact same thing to Lincoln Riley the last several times they've faced off. And I think we're going to see that happen again uh, come, come this season. So let's get into some NFL reaction from over the weekend and some of the biggest storylines. Pretenders and contenders, Davey, coming off the weekend. I'll start with my biggest pretender, and this is always going to be weighted heavily with preseason expectation and what we think individually about teams and how we've been proven wrong. The Pittsburgh Steelers are proving me wrong because I thought they were going to be good, and I thought Kenny Pickett was going to be the next star quarterback in the NFL. Now, we're going to talk about Mac Jones and the Patriots a little bit later. I think he's better than Mac Jones, but he's not good enough. And what Mike Tomlin had to say postgame after that embarrassment against the Texans, where they get whipped, that everything isn't good enough right now. He is spot on correct. That was a miserable performance by the Steelers. And this is now half of their game so far this year. They have no-showed. They got smacked in the face by the 49ers in week one, could do nothing. You've got 
DeForest Buckner and 49ers players almost clowning them after the game, saying, man, I, I kind of wish they'd move the ball a little bit so we could get a break. I mean, that's bad. And now you've got a game against C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback for the Texans, where they get whipped again. Their saving grace might have been Nick Chubb getting injured and the ability to win that game in primetime on a Thursday night against Cleveland. But I look at that division now, and there's another team that's falling apart in the AFC North as well. But I see Ravens. I see the Browns' defense. And if Deshaun Watson is healthy again, and then I see the Steelers probably tied for last in that division right now. And Davey, I thought they were going to be taking the next step this year. Uh, to me, that is the biggest pretender so far of this NFL season. Who's your pretender? Uh, my biggest pretender right now is a team that's actually leading the NFC South. But the Tampa Bay Bucks are three and one. They had a big win over the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints have been a team that have had their number for the most part over the last several years. Even whenever Tom Brady was there, the Saints seemed to find a way to beat the Bucks. Uh, outside of uh, the the one playoff game that really mattered. But I look at this, I think Baker's done a really good job so far this season, but I just can't see them sustaining this level of play. And and you kind of, you, you talk about it with, with the Steelers, Chad, and how it's, they, they don't have that, that X factor that's going to be able to keep them, or just take over a game. And, and whenever I see that with, with this Bucks team, like they're just playing average across the board and they find a way to, win these games, but just nothing is really standing out as a reason as to why I should feel confident investing in this team to to make a deep run. And again, I, I know last year the NFC South was one that uh, had a losing record making the playoffs. I think that was right. They might have been had one team at nine and eight or something like that. No, they were really bad last it's, year. It's been bad and everyone's like, wow, the Bucks, they've kind of come out of nowhere this season leading that division. It's not a good division and they're not exactly a team that I'm willing to invest in over the long haul. And I ultimately don't even think they'll win the division when it's all said and done. So Bob on the YouTube chat says, uh, Mike Tomlin is the most overrated coach in the NFL. I'm a Steelers fan and I can't stand Tomlin. I look at the Steelers and I think that might be the one X factor. You said, Dave, they don't really have an X factor. That's it. That's a problem, though, when your head coach is the X Factor and the organization itself. We value the Steelers because you're a Steeler when you're a part of that deal. And Mike Tomlin does have a reputation. They have an identity. They don't have the players right now that's conducive, especially on offense, to be that team that they need to be. Biggest contender, and someone in the YouTube chat brings up the fact that Kelly in Vegas was all over this one as a moneymaker, betting on the Buffalo Bills against the Dolphins. Dolphins come off a 70-point performance, and the Bills take it to them this week, Davey. That's my contender so far. That first week hiccup against the Jets when Aaron Rodgers went down, outside of that, they've been damn near perfect. I I like that one, and you talk about yeah, Kelly being right on that. that that's crazy about that trend where teams score – uh, or, or beat a team by 50 points like that next week, they are not covering. And I think it was around like 30% of the time. And, and it was a dominating performance from the bills. They've got that offense going and it, it looks like one of those things I wouldn't necessarily call the Dolphins a paper tiger, but, but they definitely have issues on that defense. They need to get straightened out for me, Chad. I, you can call this a cop out, but I just watched this team and it is the most complete team from top to bottom when you're looking across the national football landscape. And it's the San Francisco 49ers. They moved to 4-0, and they're doing it with a guy that was the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant. People were always kind of curious, could he keep it rolling into this season, especially after the issues with the elbow having surgery? And he is just – Brock Purdy is 
playing like a franchise-level quarterback that I could see being there for the next decade. He's not making mistakes. He's just taking care of the ball, and he's been incredibly accurate across the board. Now, it helps whenever you have a guy in Christian McCaffrey that I think is definitely in the running and right now the leader in the clubhouse to win MVP. The guy just set the record for most consecutive games with a touchdown in San Francisco history over Jerry Rice, who's a Hall of Fame, a great, and I don't see any reason why they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. The defense is elite. The offense looks elite. And they've even got a rookie kicker who's yet to miss. So, Well, let's uh, quickly get into no one's contender. and I, The 49ers are terrific. You're, you're spot on with that one. The Chicago Bears are not. Uh, that is a train wreck. And the only question now is not if, but when Matt Eberflus is going to be fired. Uh, they play on Thursday night. So the short week prevents it from happening this week. I would look for something maybe next Friday uh, going into that long week before their next game for the Bears to be replacing their head coach, much like they mysteriously have to replace their defensive coordinator after he resigned amid some sort of scandal that the clock is still ticking. No one's reported on still, and I have no idea why. Alphas and betas from the weekend coming up next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. And we're back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across this OutKick network. Thanks for watching, listening, however you consume the show. It sounds odd to say someone consumes the show, but I guess that's what you do. So whether it be on our radio network, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever, we appreciate you. And uh, it's kind of like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. That's how we're going to treat you. Sometimes that means, you know, giving you a slight kick in the ass when you need it, right? You got to do what you got to do. It can be love, it can be hate, it can be a number of things here on this show. I'm Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton, back with us later in the week, possibly this hour, trying to figure out a slight Wi-Fi issue. Um, Hutton may be at the, the one hotel that does not offer Wi-Fi at this point, so we may have to ask him about that coming up. Davey Hudson's alongside, though. As we continue to roll along on this show, hey, speaking of love and hate, every Monday on Hot Mike, we award our alphas and betas of the weekend. Let's start with the good. Alphas of the week. We begin with the Michigan Wolverines. What a performance on the road in Lincoln. They don't have their head coach for the first three weeks of the season. Doesn't matter. They roll against inferior competition. Jim Harbaugh comes back. They have a slightly sluggish start against Rutgers at home, but they eventually roll 31-7 to in that game. Now they go on the road for their first test, hostile environment, yeah, Nebraska has no offense. They're not that good. But all Michigan does is roll up the Huskers and get up big early and never look back. They made Nebraska look like an FCS opponent in this game. Davey, <clears throat> I am super impressed with Michigan so far this year. And from what we've seen in college football five weeks in, it's not easy to go on the road and dominate someone. Hell, it's not easy to go on the road and win, period. And what they did to, to Nebraska and Look, I get it. Nebraska, not good. That was still a really good performance for Michigan to go on the road, flex muscle to that extent, and dominate the Huskers the way they did compared to some other big-time teams in the top five that didn't necessarily look the same way. I'm talking to you, Georgia. Kudos to Michigan for doing exactly what they needed to do in that game. 
again, it's just another complete performance by a team that was going up against an inferior opponent, but it was really 45 to nothing until Nebraska hit one run for 74 yards and a touchdown there with like four minutes left to go in the game. 75% of Nebraska's run yards came on that one play. <laughs> Michigan was just shutting them down, and you look at it, it's a team that nothing really jumps out. If you're just like looking in the stat sheet, it's like, oh, did they have one player go off? No, just the team from top to bottom. They're not really having to throw the ball around too much. J.J. McCarthy just methodically going through it. It's a team that it, I don't anticipate losing or even in be, being in a game where they might lose until they face off against Ohio State. I think they're much better than Penn State. I don't even think Penn State's going to give them a game. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But right now, yeah, they're definitely an alpha, Chad. Yeah, it's uh, really impressive. And, and quarterback play. You know, you, you are as good as your quarterback with all these teams. J.J. McCarthy and his ability to run and throw. And there's something. There's a little, how should I describe it, a little Stetson Bennett to his game, a little playmaker. Speaking of alphas, someone that I feel like when the game is in the balance, he's going to do things to help his team win. So I, I love that about him. And um, for that reason, Michigan is definitely one of our alphas of the weekend. Second alpha of the weekend, I think we may have Jonathan Hutton uh, available with us. I'll get the thumbs up here momentarily to make sure he's good to go. But it's the Buffalo Bills in the NFL. Hey, no one wrote off the Bills when they lost that week one game against the Jets, that ugly game after Aaron Rodgers goes down with the Achilles injury. They blew their opportunity in that one. That should have been a win for the Bills. That should have been a game that they take care of. But Josh Allen started having turnover problems again in that one. Since that point on, they've looked unbeatable. As much as the 49ers have every single week, the Cowboys were up until that Cardinals game, that has been the Bills since that opening week hiccup against the New York Jets. They have looked terrific. They're one of the alphas of the weekend. Jonathan Hutton's always an alpha. He's got an outstanding backdrop right now. He's doing some work. Uh, on a charity event down south right now, and he's got the backdrop to prove it. He's on with us right now. Hutton, uh, you're looking like an alpha yourself with that backdrop. I love it. looks beautiful. Well, uh, the, the alpha was prior to just joining you, Chad, because I actually you could see the skyline behind me. I don't know if you can now because it's all washed out once I sat down, but we got it going uh, through the, the connection here. And, yeah, down in Tampa with Logan Ryan, former Patriot, and Titan and Buccaneer defensive back who has a great charity organization and foundation with uh, the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. So he's asked me to host this uh, every year, and and here we are again. Will Tom Brady be in attendance, Hutton? Have you, do you have confirmation on uh, that yet? Do you know? I, I All I know is on, on the rundown I have for tonight in the live auction, Logan and I will be on stage. There is a Brady jersey, and in parentheses it says – will be signed by Tom. Okay, That's all it says. Uh, so, and Logan has not told me one way or the other. I was hoping on your script it just said, Brady jersey giveaway, parentheses, yeah. hold for applause, because <laughs> Brady's going to come in the curtain behind and Jonathan Hutton's going to introduce him. Well, great work with that either way. I know Logan does a terrific job uh, yeah, with that awesome. all the time. So uh, really cool. You get an opportunity to help that out. And um, good of you to come on the show today with us to, to help us open up as well. Of course. We're in our alphas and betas of the week. Yeah. I've gone through the Michigan Wolverines, who dominated at Nebraska over the weekend. The Buffalo Bills, who since that opening week loss has been dominant throughout. My third alpha of the week, a little bit of a different one, but I, I was watching this game live and have to give a shout-out to Brew McCoy 
of Tennessee. The USC transfer has been a great player for Tennessee. And more than anything else, he carries an alpha mentality when he's playing. He plays bully ball on the outside as a big physical receiver. Horrific leg injury over the weekend, one that Joe Milton, the quarterback, and a few offensive linemen immediately had to turn to not get sick on the field when they saw yeah. it. I noticed it immediately on TV. I don't know if you did as well, but I'm looking down, and I'm like, yes, that's not right. The, the way the leg was turned was not, not the right way when you could see him in ground, on the ground in pain. But he gives the thumbs up to the Neyland Stadium crowd on the way off the field, had a message for the fans also, praying for him, wishing him a, a speedy recovery, but alpha move to give the fans a thumbs up after a horrific injury like that. Yeah, and I mean, even how he got to Tennessee through the the, the portal and and the, the long wait that everything, uh, how it took place with the NCAA, which so many players uh, know know all about that. Look, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. You know, he he was the alpha of the receiving group coming back this year. Uh, he's the Juwan Jennings for those familiar with the 49ers receiver, who's certainly uh, familiar with all SEC fans. Even wears the he's same that, number as Juwan Jennings. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and, and same mentality. You know, you you mentioned the grinder, uh, you know, the bully ball type mentality for a wide receiver. He's got that, and uh, just in the immediate moment the replacement of him is not going to be on this roster. That's what sucks. And they were starting to get him the football. So uh, th that's in the immediate, in the long term, he's going to end up in the league. Uh, here's hoping that the recovery goes as smooth as, as it possibly can. And it sucks for a, a guy that was a diehard football guy, football dude. And that's what you want at, at certain positions. You need one of those guys that receiver on every roster. Yeah, and whether if that comeback's with Tennessee next year, trying to prove to right. NFL scouts that he's come back from the injury, great. Or if it's in the NFL, I just hope he gets to come back and, and play football again. My guess is he comes back to Tennessee to show that he can do it and then moves on, but we'll, we'll see. Surgery happened and, and yesterday. And it's perfect to pair with a speedy guy, right? Like he, he's, the, he's the bruiser. You need the quick guy, the quick routes. Uh, the sprinter, Tennessee had that a year ago. They had the trio, and he needs the right pairing. He would be perfect through the portal to pair with uh, another wide receiver that uh, Heupel could potentially bring in. So let's get into the betas of the week. Um, again, we're a family here on this show, sometimes family. You know, you got to give a pat on the back, a little hug, a little side hug, a little fist bump. Sometimes yeah. you got to give him a smack in the face, maybe even a punch in the face. I don't know what type of family you're in if you're watching or listening. Sometimes you got to punch your family members, right? Uh, we're going to punch some people right now because we're going to award our betas of the week. Uh, I'm going to start with an obvious one. Matt Eberflus of the Bears. What an absolute train wreck of a season this has been. And even in the moment that it looks like, oh, the Bears are going to break through and Sean Payton is going to be the ultimate beta of the weekend, going to 0-4 after all that trash talk throughout the offseason. No, 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 no. Matt Eberflus and the Bears have something else to prove, and every time they're proving something, it's bad. They're 0-4, and Hutton, I think the short week playing on a Thursday night is the only thing keeping Matt Eberflus employed as of right now. Well, and, and, and the Bears. I mean, the Bears have never fired – a coach in the middle of the season ever in the history uh, of that long franchise. So um, that that's also part of it. Um, but Chad, you're right. I mean, a, a defensive minded coach first two years of Justin Fields career in the league. He's paired with Matt Nagy, who was dead man walking for whatever reason, Chicago brought him back for his rookie season. Then they bring in a defensive minded coach 
and Eberflus, who needed a year before he got to the level of free agency that was needed to pair players around the 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 pair the, the Bears franchise quarterback. And they do that through trades uh, with with guys who, who don't want to be there. And they've done that through draft picks that either haven't panned out or need some time to come along. And uh, they've they've done that uh, to some degree. They went heavy on tight end. Uh, they bring in more, uh, of course, with their trade with with Carolina. But that's few and far between for what they need. And a bad Denver Broncos team beat a really bad Chicago Bears team and a really bad head coach. Good defensive coordinator. Uh, things have not gone in Eberflus's way, and it's not all his problem. We should also throw that in, Chad, but uh, it's also not on Justin Fields either. And they've got to get that right. And to get that right, they need to go get the right head coach, an offensive-minded head coach that knows Justin Fields' style and will utilize his skill set. So I'm watching this game live yesterday afternoon, Eagles-Commanders, and uh, the whole ending of the game was beta. By both teams, to me, back and forth. Let me unpack this for a second. Yeah. So I, I, they they cut over for bonus coverage during the afternoon. There's about two and a half minutes left. The Eagles have it set up where they could just run the ball, get ten or fifteen more yards, and have a chip shot extra point field goal at the buzzer to win the game. Instead, they elect to throw deep on I think first and ten or maybe second down. No timeouts for the Commanders. A minute 49 left. They connect with A.J. Brown for a touchdown. Okay, fine. But you are giving the commanders time to go down and tie it, cutting them a break. Because at that point, look to be over. It's an NFL kicker. You're going to have a short field goal if you just run the ball forward three times and let the clock run out. Instead, they score with a minute 49 left. And then A.J. Brown tosses the ball to the defender on the ground and gets a 15-yard taunting penalty. That leads the commanders taking over at their own 45-yard line. They work it all the way down to, I think, the six- or seven-yard line. Two seconds left in the game. They throw a touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. And then, instead of electing to go for two in the win, Ron Rivera trots out his field goal kicker, and they kick the extra point. Post-game, now the Eagles go on to win in overtime. Post-game, Hutton, Ron Rivera says, ah, we wanted to, you know, our guys were gassed. Our guys were gassed after that last drive. And I'm thinking, what? They're too gassed to run one two-point conversion play to win the football game after scoring with two seconds left on the clock? Beta, beta, beta. Nick Sariani, beta move to throw the ball in the end zone there. A.J. Brown, beta move to get a 15-yard penalty after scoring the touchdown with that much time left. Beta move to not go for two. It leads to an Eagles win, but it was mismanaged throughout in the end of that game. Uh, feels like to me, Ron Rivera is trying to keep his job by playing it safe, and he's going to lose his job by playing it safe. Um, and you know, it, you you have they have Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator. To me, that's a logical choice for interim head coach because it gives the Commanders, whenever they fire Rivera midseason, it gives the Commanders uh, the, the exact opposite perception across the league than what they were for the last decade plus, and really the last off season. Just keep that in mind. That's number one. Uh, Rivera's playing it safe. That's not how you keep your job if you're him. Based on new ownership and, and based on what the Harris Group has said, they want to see, which is ultimately they've got to win. And they're not doing that. They're they're close, but they're not winning at a consistent rate. That's going to end up keep costing them his job. That That's number one is just from the, the losing end of it. Number two, Philly's not playing their best ball, but they continue to win. 
And while some of the top teams are going to get some stupid penalties, AJ's penalty was ridiculous. And they've got to overcome stuff like that throughout the game to be as consistent as they want, which is to get back to the Super Bowl this year in Las Vegas. Eagles are going to be fine. Ron Rivera is not. Yeah, uh, Paul in the YouTube chat says, careful, Chadillac. AJ will keep your receipts and get back at you for calling him a beta. Look, AJ <laughs> Brown is an alpha as a he player. Will. He's got an yeah. alpha mentality, but that's a beta move only because it's just so unnecessary, especially in that moment. AJ Brown is the type that if he's up 49 to nothing and you've been talking trash to him the whole game and he scores on you again, sure, flip the ball to him and get the 15-yard penalty. If you want to prove your point, you cannot do it in that setting. Under two minutes left, no timeouts, and give them that opportunity. Hutton, we can talk hey. more about this on the other side. Yeah. But also, I want to get into our last bait of the week, which is the Patriots, Matt Jones, yes. and the big question, is Bill Belichick in trouble? Because I think the answer is yes. We'll get into that when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. We are back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, he's alongside for this segment. He'll be back in studio with us in a couple of days. Big weekend in the NFL with some crazy outcomes. One outcome that was included in this past weekend was the worst loss ever for Bill Belichick. And this comes at a time where his Patriots look terrible. I, I don't know how else to call it. They have no identity. They have no quarterback, and the, their quarterback's also not well-liked around the league and seen as kind of a punk in Mac Jones. Hutton, we thought that Bill O'Brien coming back could be the saving grace for this offense and, and Mac Jones. That hasn't been the case. He's gotten worse. They're getting blown out by the Cowboys, not even competitive in this game. And it begs the question, are we seeing the end of Bill Belichick in New England? Yeah, I get the sense we were doing that prior to the, the offseason even starting, quite frankly. You know, we had Tom Curran on, uh, a great uh, Patriots reporter. Mike Reese at ESPN has also yep. uh, echoed this, that there is a bit of a, a hot seat feel to Belichick and the Patriots, and that was before the season kicked off. And I, I think I read into that just going back to the offensive coordinator situation a year ago uh, where McDaniels ends up in Las Vegas. And they bring in guys who are former Patriots coaches who know Bill Belichick in the Patriot way, but don't know offensive play calling. And they paired him in year number two, Mac Jones, that is, with those guys. A year later, Belichick's guys are out. And here comes Bill O'Brien back into the mix. And you can just feel there's there's just not the, the comfortable tenor that the organization normally has. They lack a lot of speed. They need a lot of it, uh, either through the draft or through free agency. They had the option, not necessarily speed options. They had the option of going after and ponying up to level up with what the Titans offered DeAndre Hopkins. They chose not to. They did not go all in with Dalvin Cook after visiting with him and, and having that that uh, out there. So they they if they're a run-first team, they're not very good at that. They are defensive-minded. But there are two teams that carry that mentality. It's the Titans and the Patriots, and the Patriots are getting boat raced 
and Mac Jones is in year three of a four-year contract, and this coming offseason, they will have to determine if they're picking up their fifth-year option, which right now they're not going to do, which is a guaranteed $25 million in year five. So he's 18 games away, Belichick is, from passing Don Shula for most wins in NFL history. We, we got a lot of time to talk about legacy and him versus Brady yeah. and all that, but I will be very curious to see if someone hires him if he wants to keep coaching. Oh, yeah. And he has a chance to get there in a two, three-year stretch with another team. I don't think it's going to be for long, but if another team hires him immediately and he gets right back to winning with that team just to reach that record, that, that would be an interesting Vegas odds to see right now if you could take what it would be to take Bill Belichick breaking – the all-time wins record. He uh, is, Chet, he is a, like, diehard history buff when it comes oh, yeah. to the NFL. He absolutely wants that. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be with New England, and I don't think it will be. Now, consider some of the what, – what could happen, just hypotheticals. If Dallas goes on a losing streak and they somehow crater, right? Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy is – Jerry Jones isn't getting younger. We say that every other week, it feels like. I do. Uh, but I said look around about myself too, much less well, Jerry same, Jones. Yeah, so, yeah, same, I'm not yeah but any yeah, younger either. Jerry Jones wants another Super Bowl, and he doesn't want on the you know his he doesn't want anyone to reference the '90s uh, when talking about the the Cowboys' best seasons. Right, uh, that's number one. Um, again, I'm just throwing out co- owners that would absolutely go hire that dude. Uh, Vegas is another one. Let Let's mention what what has happened there and the expectations around that organization, and and of course there are others that come to mind uh, that will be surprises and Belichick would be at the top of the list because again, short-term solution, he would choose the part where he would go in and win. Um, And again, those guys, those guys are about winning Belichick and Brady and Belichick without Brady. He's not winning. So, and he's not going to win with Mac Jones either. Well, that officially concludes our betas of the week because the next guy is definitely not a beta. Christian McCaffrey has been incredible. Awesome. And was again yesterday. Speaking of records, 13 straight games of the touchdown breaks Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice's franchise record with the 49ers for consecutive games of the touchdown. He was masterful once again yesterday, Hutton. And it is so much fun to watch the different ways that Kyle Shanahan designs plays to get him the football. And you don't even have to get that creative with him. You can just hand him the ball. And he can make things happen. But he's such a useful weapon, and you can utilize him in so many different ways. We saw that again yesterday with his big game against the Cardinals. Well, and the 13th straight is tied for the franchise with Jerry Rice, so he's got the Niners record there, uh, tied with with the all-time great at the spot, at the, the receiver spot. Um, he had you know, a, a ton of yards all-purpose. He's on pace for like 25 or 2,600 all-purpose yards, and he's been excellent. You know, everyone kind of laughed at the trade when the, that they made with Carolina for the position. He's the highest paid running back in the NFL, but he's used more than that. And, you know, that he is their identity. It goes through him. His identity in Carolina was soft tissue injuries, banged up knees, can't, shoulder. Can he stay healthy enough and continue what he's been doing, which is just straight domination? If he does, he can win MVP because around the league right now, there is a lot of up-and-down play at the quarterback position. There's strong, strong play, but the, the contenders that we would normally po- point to, um, it, it, Mahomes doesn't have the same amount of weapons. 
and of course Hertz was in the mix last year. Uh, you've you've got uh, Tua in a Miami that's going back and forth. All of a sudden, Josh Allen's not turning the football over. McCaffrey is at the forefront of the best players through the first month of the season, and he's on a pace where he's going to be the focal point, the identity, and the storyline of right now the best team in the NFL, San Francisco. Hunt, you're down there in Tampa. What is the buzz around Baker Mayfield and what he's been able to do? And it's certainly been a resurgence for Baker Mayfield in his 3-1 and one start with Tampa. The question now is, has Tampa Bay and the Bucks unlocked something within Baker Mayfield that this is sustainable now for him and his career and what they're able to accomplish? Sustainable uh, in the short term, yes. Look, there's not much buzz about him here. There, there's more buzz about the receiving core and the fact that they're, they have three wins, which is a surprise. I think there's still a lot to prove from that area. There's a lot of doubt as well. Like, okay, it's great now. What's going to happen? Um, but this is a, also a, a Buccaneers fan base that's extremely passionate and loyal. And uh, at a sports bar yesterday, you better believe the road game was on and people were going crazy when Tampa Bay won. So, yeah, they're in the division that's very winnable. This is a great spot for Baker. Uh, now in his fourth team in the last 12 months, which is crazy. And when you consider the turbulence that was Carolina after the way things ended in the locker room in Cleveland, I think the the resurgence for Baker Mayfield is more about the leader behind the scenes and on the field than it is performances because he's put up nice performances before. And, you know, can he also tone down the, the physical nature that he wants to do. He was in the preseason. He's dipping his shoulder and going after a defensive back again. That's how he got hurt in Cleveland yeah. on his way out. He, if he can stop doing that, putting himself at risk, he will be on a, a longer-term three-year type contract a year from now. Could be here. Could be elsewhere, depending on where their record is. Hutton, um, not as good a news quarterback-wise as what Baker Mayfield's been able to do with Joe Burrow so far this year yeah. with Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is 28% on throws of 10 or more yards down the field. He's hurt. I think it's very obvious. He does not yes. trust his calf, his calf muscle and the injury there. Does not trust his offensive line. Does not trust what he's seeing down the field. you got Jamar Chase now saying, I'm always bleeping open when asked whether yeah. or not he's open on these plays. Um, there could be some division with this team that has experienced a lot of success in recent seasons with Joe Burrow. And I'm not so sure they shouldn't just put him on the shelf at this point from what we're seeing. They lose 27-3 to to the Titans yesterday, and that is now two three-point performances production-wise on the season through four games. Cincinnati's 1-3 and three on the season. What should they do with Joe Burrow right now? I think they're about to shut him down. Um, he has the – looking at here, they, they, they're dead last in the NFL in yards per play, passing yards per attempt. And that just means they're punting and they're putting more pressure on the defense that is normally pinning their ears back and getting after the quarterback because they're playing off of great play and they have a lead on the scoreboard. Burrow had one pass, one completion yesterday of his 20 that went for more than 10 yards of his 20 attempts, 20 completions, I should say. Um, he had just four of his total attempts in the game in Nashville that went beyond in the air 10 yards. So he's not pushing the ball, and, and they're trying to get the ball out fast, and that's because he's not mobile. He, he can't move enough. He's getting banged up and knocked around. And if you collapse the pocket from the interior, Burrow's done because the improv and his ability to 
to spin and move and get outside the pocket or just tilt a certain way off balance to where he can throw the pass. That's not there this year. And I, I say they're about to shut him down because another loss and there's no reason to continue to go down this path. They don't have a great backup option because they're saying this version of Joe Burrow is better. It's also Joe Burrow wanting to play. He's the highest paid player in the NFL. And I think Jamar Chase is going to end up more pissed off about his preseason comments where he said, hey, if Joe's not ready to go, he shouldn't start game week one or week two. Make sure he's ready. And that dude would know because he had a calf issue and he took his time last year and he missed the first week and they went on and, and had a great, great season uh, in the regular season. So, yeah, I think there's more division in that decision than there is division between quarterback and wide receiver. He looked like uh, Zach Wilson at one point where he, he went down a couple times with very limited contact because he's hurt and yeah. couldn't stand on his leg. I properly. commend him. Yeah. I commend him for giving it a go, but I mean, it's just, it's not a sustainable uh, proposition for him because the team overall is him. And if you just have an average to below average quarterback, your record's going to be one and three, most likely at best two and two. And you're two and two because you play teams that don't have their superstar at full strength like Burrow was yesterday. Major League Baseball playoffs start tomorrow with the wild card series. And we'll get going with that. Twins and Blue Jays in the American League. Rays versus Rangers as well in the American League. Brewers and Diamondbacks in the National League. And uh, an NL East battle on one side of it. Phillies, Marlins, and the winner will play the Braves in the division. I know who you want. I do not want the Phillies. I will tell right. you that. I'd, I'd much prefer the Marlins. That's for sure. I do prefer the one-game playoff, though. That this, that, that what we have here. I, I do like the the intrigue and the buzz that it is presented for the final week of the what was a fun finish to the regular season, and now the playoffs that ramp up. And there's been some really good baseball this year. Yeah, some great storylines. Uh, and some overlooked and uh, maybe underrated storylines too, like the Atlanta Braves roster of, uh, on, on offense. I think the the postseason will be more about their their pitching staff. Yeah, best of three, and then the that goes on to the uh, three, division yeah. series after that. Uh, but good baseball to watch this week, nonetheless. Uh, sad news also: Tim Wakefield, knuckleballer. Yeah. Um, a great guy by all accounts, passes away from brain cancer. I was texting with R. A. Dickey, another famous knuckleballer earlier today he cannot join the show because he's out of town but said that he's extremely saddened by this and that Tim Wakefield was one of the best mentors he could ever ask to have when he was trying to make that move to the knuckleball um, so terrible news there and Hutton a guy that we all knew as kids growing up when you're in the exactly. backyard trying to throw a knuckleball it was Tim Wakefield that was the inspiration for trying to throw that knuckleball yeah yeah, it was it was it was the you know growing up in the '90s, he was he was on the backyard wiffle ball all star teams that people would create on their rosters, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you if he were inserted in the lineup, you had to go as uh, the knuckleball, and and people would bash uh, <laughs> go yard uh, in wiffle ball. But on the mound, he was incredible, and I, I feel for his family and and everything they've gone Terrible. through. Yeah, with how everything uh, you know ended for for Wakefield, it's very sad. All very, very sad. So, uh, yes, definitely prayers for his family and friends, everyone who knew uh, Tim Wakefield. There was an everyman quality about him. Those guys who can throw the knuckleball. Looks like we average Joes could do it in the major leagues also. Hutton is no average Joe. He stepped in today, helped us out for a couple segments. Hutton, great talking to you. Best of luck tonight at the Logan Ryan charity event.
Thank you so much, Chad. And I'm going to stand up so you can see the background that I tried to set up for you. Nice. Uh, but you you can see the skyline of Tampa right behind me here. Now I see and, it. And uh, yeah, and uh, we have a great event here in Florida. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for holding it down. And I'll be back soon. It's beautiful. Taylor Swift talk. Maybe next. <laughs>